Amen. Um, we start off last week talking about the one thing that we should always do and understand is that we always have uh, an intercessor. Amen. We looked at Jesus having that intercessory ministry. Amen. Where he goes before the Father on our behalf. Amen. It's good to know. <laughs> Amen. That I always got somebody who's always looking out for me. Amen. How many excited about that? Amen. I got someone who's always looking out for me and his name is Jesus. Isn't that something? Just when you think you're all alone in this journey. Amen. You, you find out that we say that the Bible says that we have a God who is faithful. Amen. And then I told you last week, we talked about giving. Amen. That we should always have an all sufficiency to give. It shouldn't be a time where we shouldn't, whenever we come to the house of God, whenever we come into God's presence, we should always have. Why should we always have? Because God is always, will always provide for all of our needs. Amen. And today, I want to go into number two, number three, and then we'll, we'll get into the rest of them, okay? Uh, I want you to open your Bibles. Go to, um, go to, eh, let's go back there to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, how many of you learned, so what did you learn last week? Tell me, tell me one thing you learned last week, if you can remember that for Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, Chapter 8 talks about the great generosity of the church. Chapter 9, Paul is telling the the Corinthian believers that, you know, God gives the most. When you think you've given your best, God's trumped you one more. Amen. He's he's one up on you because he he gives the best. Amen. And and we looked at verse 8 last week, right? Is that what we looked at? He says, and God is able... To make what? All grace abound to you so that always having what? All sufficiency in what? Everything you may have what? God wants me to have an abundance. As a believer, there shouldn't be a time where I don't have. Amen. Now, can I ask a question? How many of you, since you've been tithing, I'm not talking about you're a millionaire, but I'm talking about, why, let me ask, let me just ask this question. Why do you give? Hmm? All right, love God, okay. Shows your appreciation, okay, all right. Now, let me ask you this. Those of you who give, right? Can I ask you a question? Now, you may not have an abundance, but are your needs met? I'm just just asking because if you don't have the right perspective, then you'll be thinking, well, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to do it. Amen. But he says, as a believer, I should always have in what? sufficiency, amen, so that I can be what? Generous. Amen. Now, how many of you have seen the blessings of tithing? 
Anybody seen the blessings of tithing? I'm talking about you seeing God. You know, I thought about it this morning. I said, man, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> Amen. You know, you, can I tell you what I'm, what I'm trying to talk about this morning, what I'm trying to get you to see this morning? It's a blessing when you can be content. That's the blessings of giving. Lord have mercy. When you're like, you know what? We may not have, you know, we've done what we're supposed to do. We may not have like everybody else has, but at least we have enough. Come on, somebody. To what? To take care of. And I promise you, the person who does not have as a believer, you have to do a checkup in that area of your life. Amen. And then the one who gives and says, I'm, I'm still not content. I want you to check your heart. Amen. Because the heart plays a big part in this. Amen. I find this scripture to be very powerful. He says, so that always having what? In all, always having all sufficiency. Didn't that what he said? In what? In what? In everything. I'm sufficient. What does it mean to be sufficient in everything? What do you think that means? Oh. Can I, do I have anybody? Come on, y'all. Y'all want to walk with me today? Now, I'm fired up from yesterday, so... Let me just see. Let me calm down a little bit. I'm going to put it like this. You don't, I'm not talking about, I'm talking, how many of you will have sufficient? Let me, let me see all the sufficient people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Because it's perspective, isn't it? It's about perspective. Yes, I may want what the other person has or see what other people have, but here's the thing. You can't keep living your life through Instagram and Facebook and watch. The, it's a front. Amen. Even when they look happy, they ain't happy. Come on, somebody. Amen. But when God gives you enough, when you have a sufficiency, come on, somebody. Amen. It's something about having enough and saying, Lord, thank you that I can appreciate, amen, the sufficiency that you've given me. Amen. All right. The number, number two thing, let me show you something else. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Back it up a little bit. You know, I tried to kickstart y'all today. All right. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. Let's back up. Let's back up verse five for a minute. Let me show you something here. Here's the second thing we always should do as Christians. Amen. I told my girls the other day, there are some things that you should always do when you get in your car. Okay. You should always pray for traveling grace. And then I posed it like this. I said, isn't it amazing how the things that we know we should always do, we don't do. We, we listen, we do it for a little while and then we stop and you wonder why there's no consistency in your life with God. Come on and say, man, the reason there's no consistency because what you should always be doing, you ain't doing it no more. Hello, somebody tell your neighbor always. I want you to keep that word as your key word for this week. Always. 
There are some things I should always be doing. And one of the things I must always do, amen, is always remember that I have a, I have sufficiency in my life because I'm faithful to God. Amen? The next thing is, he says, let's go to verse 1. <clears throat> I want to focus in on verse 8. He says, for we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in heaven. Now, so this is not just for funerals. You know, we got to teach this in church. Amen. For indeed in this house, we groan. Now, metaphorically, he uses the words, word house for your body. Amen. He uses the word tent for your body. Amen. He's using these words to describe the body, your body, your earthly body. All right. Read, read on for somebody. Verse three. I'm sorry. Verse two. He says, for indeed we have this house. We groan long in what? To be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. So it tells me that one day we will take on some new clothes. Amen. We have new clothes. We have a tailor that's already made our clothes for heaven. Amen. And if you know Jesus, then you are heading to heaven. Amen. Look what he says next. He says, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan being what? Burdened. Because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by, by what? Life. Verse 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God and gave to us the spirit as a pledge. Look at verse 6. Therefore, there's the therefore, always, being always of good what? Knowing that what? Knowing that what? While we're home in this body, we are absent from who? All right? You getting it? Now watch where I'm going with this. He says, for we walk by what? Hmm. And not by... Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so just walk with me, okay? Now, here's the hope that I have. This is why I started off with sufficiency and contentment. You see, because you can't build your life here on earth because you have another home waiting for you in heaven. What you're doing here on earth is just preparing you for your new mansion in heaven. Uh-huh. And what he's saying is that we ought to live while we're in this body on earth by faith. I don't see it right now, but I believe that better days are coming. I wish I had somebody. I don't see it just yet, but God is going to make a way out of no way because I already have a mansion already set up in heaven for me. See, I'm living on earth, but I have a heavenly mindset. I'm living on earth, but I have a kingdom mind because I understand that I have a king that rules in this kingdom. Are y'all with me now? 
He says, but while I'm in this tent, while I'm in this house, amen, and while I groan and I got a few aches and pains and I got a few little things that I'm going through right now, I ought not to lose hope, but I ought to have what? Faith. Do I have anybody? He says, because I understand that while I'm absent from God, amen, amen, absent, I'm sorry, while I'm home in the body, I'm absent from the Lord. He says, for what I should be doing is this. He says, for what? For we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. What does he say there? We are what? Of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be what? Present with the Lord. Now, I want you to back up to verse 6, and that's your always. Right there. What does it say? Therefore what? I wanted to go forward to give you the context and come back to give you the context and then come back one more time to give you the content of always. He says, so now that I know that I'm going to have a little trouble here on earth. Now that I know that sometimes I may not have enough to take care of the things I need to take care of. Now maybe possibly, amen, I may not be happy right now. He says, but I have hope. Because that's what that word courage means. And so a believer, look at verse 6 for me. Therefore what? There's the word, underline it. Always of what? Tell your neighbor, I got to have a little courage. As a believer, you should always have, be of good courage. In other words, you should have some hope. In other words, you and I should never sit around and be so depressed and down and despair about life that we have no hope. The unbeliever doesn't even know where he's going or she's going. Am I right about it? The the unbeliever is living in darkness, whereas we, come on somebody, we got somewhere that we're going. We're going where? To a home that's already built for us. Amen. All we got to do is grab the keys and walk in and guess what? The lights is already paid. All bills paid. Come on, somebody. Food's been taken care of. Y'all ain't trying to hear me this morning. Amen. So as a believer, you and I should stop walking around. Come on and help me, somebody, will you? Stop walking around with your head hung so low where you have no hope. He says you should always be of what? Of good Courage, and I see so many believers that walk around with no hope. Amen. This word courage, amen, means confidence. In other words, I don't need good self-esteem because I got hope. (laughs) Amen. Because, watch this, I know where I'm going. I know what's to come. I know that what I'm going through right now is temporary. Lord have mercy. Listen, why is it that when we're going through, we think that our situation is permanent? Do I have anybody? Amen. He says, knowing 
Knowing what? That while we're at home, this body was made for home right here on earth. Amen. But our soul is going to heaven. Are you with me? Are you, y'all, y'all following me? Listen, listen. This word, this word courage, it, it, it means confidence. To have confidence. To have hope. Amen. To be bold. To be courageous. Amen. Come here, Joshua. Moses is dead. You got to take this congregation of stiff-necked people. Come on, somebody. Over to the promised land. Moses done told them it's going to be a brighter day. It's going to be a brighter day, brighter day. He He done preached to them. He done counseled them. He done prayed for them. He then gave them five sermons before he dies to encourage them. But they're still grumbling and moaning and, yeah, and, 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 and having their head hung low. But you, Joshua, <laughs> be of good courage. Be bold enough to tell them that it's going to be all right. That we're going over to the promised land. I wish I had somebody. Listen, I don't know about you, but the context helps me. He says, as a believer, listen, I'm not saying you're not going to have a bad day. Amen. But I'm saying that you ought to have some confidence. Listen, when you pray, you ought to have some confidence. Come on, somebody. When you approach God about your situation, you should approach him with some confidence. That he who began a good work in you. Come on, somebody. Will in no wise finish it. Can you imagine that Joshua had to deal with these kinds of people and God is telling him, man, you be strong and courageous, man. He repeats that the whole, in his whole ministry to tell him, Joshua, be of good courage. And as a believer, we should always be of good courage. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Why? Now, let me tell you what this word knowing is all about. This word knowing, you know, in James chapter 1 where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Huh? Produces what? Endurance, right? Watch this, watch this, watch this now. Watch this now. He says, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So we know that the knowing there is a fact. Amen. It's an, it's an imperative mood. Amen. It's in the present tense. So which means that what I knew, what I knew back then is still relevant now. The effects of my knowing is still happening now. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Some of us, we put our knowing in the past tense. Lord, have mercy. We put our knowing, amen, in the future tense. But we ought to put our knowing in the present tense to have some courage that guess what? It may not be good right now, but I know it's going to get better. Do I have somebody? And I want to tell somebody this morning, amen. He says, knowing this, that because of what I know, now watch this, the knowing here, amen, not only is it in the present tense, Not only is it in the imperative mood, but the knowing here 
puts me in the, it, it gives the idea of knowing where it's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge. I wish I had somebody. In other words, I don't just know it today in my mind, it's in my heart. And because it's in my heart, come on somebody, I believe it so much so that I understand that absent from the body oh, is to be present with the Lord. But while I'm walking on earth, I ought to have a little bit of courage. I ought to have a little confidence. Amen. That guess what? That better days are going to come. That what God promised, he will deliver. Do I have somebody? That what God said he was going to do for me, he's going to do it. You need to shake up your confidence this morning. You need to lift your hands and tell God, thank you. Because I'm confident, amen, that he who began a good work in you will in no wise finish what he started. God will finish it. You're not going home until God says so. But why are you living on earth so miserably? The believer should always have confidence. I'm not saying you're not going to have a bad day. I'm not saying I'm not going to catch you on a bad with a bad mood every now and then. But what I am saying, 50% of the time at least you should have a little bit of confidence. Watch this. In God's word. In prayer. Because I told you last week that we have what? We have a high priest who sits at the right hand of God. And what does he do? He intercedes for us so that when I don't know what to... Listen, that gives me confidence to face tomorrow, today, next week, next month. Amen. Whatever I'm going through, God gives me the what? Confidence. The confidence to approach those that mistreat you. Come on, somebody. The confidence to go to work and say, listen, man, I ain't working on Sunday today. You're fired. No, just playing. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying, you have to have the confidence that when you come before God, that he hears you Right. But the problem with us is we go before God and we ain't got no confidence. Yeah, God, help me. Uh, uh, you know, God, yeah, all right. Maybe he'll answer. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. How many of you seen God work? Y'all fooling me. <clears throat> if you've seen God work, then you ought to lift your head. Amen. And you ought to praise him and you ought to thank him and you ought to listen in spite of what you're going through. Trust him. Amen. So that's, that's, that's one. That's two, ain't it? I got the two. Amen. Look at that. All right. So, so listen to this. We ought to always have what? Confidence. So there's no room for doubt at any time. Write that down somewhere. There's no room for doubt at any time. To be confident means to all it means more than I hope so. <laughs> Maybe it will happen. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. 
Faith is the evidence of things what? Hoped for, but yet not seen. And so as a believer, I, I want to see our church. I want to see you speaking with confidence. Pastor, I don't see it right now, but I'm, I believe God's going to turn this thing around for me. Hey, unless you just want a pity party every time. I, I'll give you a pity party. Amen. I only, I'm only coming once, though. Amen. I ain't coming. I ain't coming to your repeat pity parties. Seriously, it, it makes no sense. Because guess what? If you are confident in God and His Word and His Word, God will take you right through. Amen. The next thing, amen. Let me help, let me hope somebody. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 2. I can't believe I got the 3. This is going to bless you right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to look at verse 14. Uh, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 2 what is that? 14 but I want to back up here Paul is reaffirming his love for his uh, congregation and uh, he's talking to them that, 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 that he wrote with tears and Paul really loved this church uh Somebody read from verse 10 for me. You, you know what he's talking about right there? The rifts in church and how people get mad at each other and how we harbor unforgiveness. And you know what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? Every time you find yourself in a situation where you can't forgive, it's a scheme of the devil. Don't, don't be, listen, Satan wants to keep you at odds with people. That, that's a scheme. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Forgive them. And the reason I say forgive them because forgiveness is the most powerful weapon against the enemy. If he can keep you mad about the last church you went to or mad at the, the person that made you mad or whatever the case may be, the bottom line is, amen, he has won. Amen. And can you imagine always walking around with unforgiveness? Can you imagine always walking around bitter? Read on for me. Troas. Mm -hmm. There it is right there. Uh, 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 that underline the word now. Underline the word always. Because these are the things. Remember the six things you should always do as a Christian. 
What's the first thing? You should always have a sufficiency. Right? What's the next thing? You should always have confidence. <laughs> you ready for the next thing? You should always what? Read it. Now back up. Read it one more time. But thanks be to God who who does what? To what? Stop. You should always be triumphant. Not you leading yourself to win, but Christ who always causes you to win. Because you will win. Lord have mercy. Some of you winning right now, you don't even know you're winning. <laughs> you're like, you overlook the win. A win is a win. I tell my wife all the time, you may beat me by one, I may beat you by one, but I still won. Then she's talking about you cheating. I don't cheat. (laughs) Listen, listen. If if they won by one point, did they win? The struggle you've had in your life to get to where you are right now, you won. You are triumphant. So why is it as believers we're walking around Man, I don't sue, man. This stuff, this stuff ain't right. That stuff ain't. And we're always complaining and we're always. If you can see yourself as a winner always, you can't lose with Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. You will never lose with Jesus. Look at the text. It's in the text. What I love about this, it's in the Bible, it ain't. Nothing I'm says. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads what? Us. Now, here's the thing now. Who's the us? Yeah. The one who have heard the right gospel. I wish I had somebody. The one who have accepted the right gospel. Not the gospel of permissive grace. Not the gospel, hallelujah, amen, of uh, choice, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. The new age gospel. You know what the new age gospel is? It's wrapped up in, in, in spirituality, mystical thinking and, you know, the shack and you know, spiritual books and stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel. He says, but for us. Listen, I already know I've had some bad days. But even on my worst day, it's my best day because I'm not where I used to be in darkness because I'm in light, in the light, and God is using my mess. Amen. Watch this. To cause me to win. Romans 8, 28 comes in right there. That God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So either way, I'm going to win. Thanks be to God. Who causes us to what? To triumph where? 
in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. What kind of cologne did you put on this morning? Did you put on some stink this morning? I'm talking about stinking thinking. Amen. Did you put on some, I can't do it? <laughs> Did you put on, I'm defeated? Amen. Did you put on some, I'll never, I'll never be nothing this morning? What's your aroma this morning? But when you know who you know, and when you know what you know, and then you act upon what you know, See, here's the thing. A lot of us got a lot of Bible knowledge, but we don't live it out. We don't walk it out. We don't live it out. And that's the reason why we feel stuck. But what you know should cause you to be triumphant in every situation because you know who's backing you. Jesus. I wish I had somebody. I'm I'm, I'm helping myself this morning. I see. Amen. I'm helping myself. Because I, I, he says, he says, look, outside of Christ, there's no triumph. There's no spiritual blessings. No righteousness. No hope. No life. No salvation. But in Christ, all spiritual blessings come. All spirit. See, I believe that many of us are looking only at earthly blessings and not spiritual blessings. Listen, if you can open your mouth and praise God, that's a blessing. Because somebody couldn't do it this morning. His mercy was new to you this morning. Great is thy. Go to Ephesians chapter, uh, go to Ephesians chapter one for me. Lord have mercy. I didn't think this was going to go like this, but it's good. Amen. Look at this. Go to Ephesians chapter one, verse three. What does it say there? That's because you ain't saved. You don't have knowledge. <laughs> you thought Jesus came back. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has done what? With what? Now listen, the the blessed there who has blessed us. It's in the aorist tense. Now the aorist, there are different types of aorist, but just to simplify it, the aorist tense is simple action with continuous results in the present and continuous. So in other words, you know, God doesn't bless us like we bless people. 
the blessings never stop. But God says the reason why you can't see a brighter day is because you're not looking at your spiritual blessings. You're looking only on your earthly blessings. And that's why you're so depressed and down and despair and you, you can't get along and you can't do this and you can't do that because you're not looking at the right blessings. He says he has blessed us with what? With what? With every, there's not a spirit, all of us have the same thing today. There isn't one blessing that God hasn't given you. Spiritually. He says what? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The verse 4 says just as he chose us in him. God had a plan before the foundation of the world. See? That we would be what? Homeless? I'm sorry. Because that's all we think about when we're struggling. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. I'm just talking real to you this morning. Now, is that, is that it? Yeah. We've been losing this house. We've been thinking, we've been, come get this car. At some point, you have to realize that God is looking down from heaven and he has blessed you with spiritual blessings. So why don't you ask? He says that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Amen. And all of God's power that the Christian needs. Look at verse 19. Read that. I'm going to sit down somewhere. And what is the surpassing what? Now back up to verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart, saints, stop looking with your physical eyes and look at your life through the eyes of your heart. But if your eye is dark, then your whole body is dark. But if your eye is full of light, If you could see good in every situation and good in everybody around you. Listen, you could see good even in those devils that be around you all day long. Fill your eyes with light. And your whole body will be full of light. Watch this. You you know, when I walk into places, people notice me. And I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying people just walk up. Something different about you. But if I walk in the store and I'm like God ain't did. Why would they even want to come to church? Just, you wonder why you can't get a man now. <laughs> Look You're just looking crazy. You know what I mean? You're just looking crazy. Why would you? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't why. That's why they do that stuff online. Because you can't see how jacked up they really are. And, and you put this picture there, you'll sit the good picture. 
but they don't know your emotions, your attitude, your bad disposition and all that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? 